Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about the pathetic Packers. Where do we go from here? How did this happen? And we'll do a little therapy to start the show. We'll also have golden kegs. We do it for every game. Have to do it for the bad ones. We'll talk about the hater trade souring even more with the Padres now in the NLCS and why Jim Leonard needs to hold everything together for Wisconsin. And that will be today's show. Make sure to follow along on social media, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook for that matter. Uh, make sure that you are also leaving a rating and review. If you're new to the program, welcome. Um, we're happy to have you. Uh, subscribe on Apple, subscribe on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, so let's get into it and let's talk about this Green Bay Packer team. The Green Bay Packers should feel embarrassed. The Green Bay Packers suffered one of their worst losses in franchise history. I realize that the Jets are young, scrappy, and potentially fun. But still, the Green Bay Packers should not have fallen on their face like this. The Green Bay Packers scored 10 fucking points at home to a team that might not be a playoff team. So it raises the question, is Green Bay a playoff team? I don't know. There are a lot of questions that come from this game. And you have to sit on the therapy therapist couch and try to work through all of them because everything went wrong. Nothing looked good. And Green Bay looked like a team that did not want to be out there. Green Bay opted to not have a bye week after London, right? They said, we don't need it. We want our bye at the end of the year. The NFL basically gave that to him and said, okay, you're going to have a bye week at the very end of the NFL season, basically. They're one of the six teams, I think, that have a week 14 bye. Packers should have rethought that. And there's also no real excuse for it. They can't make that excuse. It's going to be set, whether it's LaFleur, whether it's Rodgers, somebody is going to utter that fucking word and it's going to drive me crazy. Why will it drive me crazy? Because the Giants beat the Ravens today. In arguably a harder game than what the Packers faced. The Minnesota Vikings were able to beat the Chicago Bears last week after their London trip. The New Orleans Saints were able to beat the Seattle Seahawks. The only team that fucking didn't show up after London was the goddamn Packers. And it just maybe speaks to how much of a mess and how disorganized and sloppy. This is not... What we have seen, this is not your Packer football, right? It's not even your older brother's Packer football. This is your uncle's Packer football from the 80s when things were really bad and they didn't have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or some of the skill players and the talent that is all over this field. The Packers are in a crisis and they need to figure it out. I kind of wonder, I just don't know what has happened to this team. This team is very similar than last year. Yes, Devontae Adams is missing, but was he really the glue that held it all together? Was Were Green Bay a Devontae Adams injury away from falling all apart? Well, you could push back on that and say he missed the game with COVID against Arizona and the Packers won that game. But maybe that's a short sample size. Is it that Aaron Rodgers tried to do exactly what Aaron Rodgers did for the last few years, cut corners, didn't show up to OTAs, talked about how much he hates preseason, and yet Aaron Rodgers needed to be working on these relationships 
all fucking summer. And he basically let the Packers get to this point. And Matt LaFleur, by not holding him accountable because they treat Rodgers with kid gloves because the guy is more sensitive than a contestant on The Bachelor, he, he was allowed to do it. He was allowed to rule the roost. And really, they should have put their foot down and said, Aaron, we need you in, in, the, in Lambeau. We need you here. We need you to show up. Yet no one had the balls to do it. And they gave him a bunch of money. And Aaron Rodgers owns the place. And now, are we really are we heading into this late stage far thing with Mike Sherman where things got really bad before a new coach turned it around and it got good again before Favre left? I'm not advocating for Matt LaFleur to leave. That is not what I'm doing. Rather, what I'm saying is, did the Packers fuck this whole thing up? And that, to me is the scary thing. That's the thing that worries me the most. Green Bay could have traded Aaron Rodgers to Denver this offseason. They could have dealt him to Denver where Nathaniel Hackett is there. They let Denver pay him, similarly what they did to Russell Wilson. And the Green Bay Packers could have began the Jordan Love era. Yet, that didn't happen because they did not want to go through what they went through with Brett Favre. Simply put, They didn't want to have a fan base divided. That was a really rough time to be a Packer fan. And maybe that's worth its own podcast of just how split everybody was and how there were people with Viking fan Favre jerseys. Those people shouldn't be Packer fans again, point blank. Those people should never be allowed to be a Packer fan again. I I don't fan gatekeep too much, but if you put on a Vikings jersey, you are a pathetic individual. And I have no time for that. Absolutely not. So anyways, the Packers didn't want to go through. And I'm starting to wonder and worry that's what they should have done. And I know that's grass is the other greener. Grass is greener on the other side. Because Jordan Love could be a complete mess and the Packers are 2-4 and four or 1-5. and five, And it's basically the two, 2008 season where the Green Bay Packers were 6-10. and 10. Then next year... They got better the next year they won the Super Bowl. So there you have it, right? Green Bay needs to have a game plan and it needs to be all hands on deck. And hopefully it has already started. Hopefully they have kicked it off. When things go sideways, whether it's work, whether it's your, your personal life, whether it is anything else, you try to problem solve immediately versus just keep doing what you're doing. That is not going to work. So what does Green Bay have to do? What does Green Bay have to do to figure this out and turn this around? Number one, they need to get talent on the offense. They need to start looking into guys. Guys who are on rosters and guys who are not on rosters. My buddy Murph, who you guys know, a part-time contributor, laid down a great list uh, in a group chat today. Because he goes, I think they should be calling on Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Will Fuller, Chase Claypool, Bob Woods, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Diami Brown, Devontae Parker. That's a great list. Those guys should all be considered for the Packers. And the Packers should have no stone unturned. If Green Bay wants to be mediocre, they do nothing. 
Green Bay wants to only win six or seven games. They do that. But I, I don't think that's what the Packers are year, are gearing for. If Jordan Love was that quarterback right now, and the Packers look like this, and they lost 27 to to the Jets, I think that you just roll with the punches and you talk about maybe we are a playoff team this year with Love, and it's similar to that 20, 2008 season, and hopefully it gets better, and hopefully we see progressive you know improvement from Jordan as the year goes on. That would be that conversation. But we have Aaron Rodgers, and we have a win-now mentality. And we saw the Rams trade for Von Miller and win themselves a championship. And while this is not what Green Bay does, we all have to get out of our comfort zones, okay? Like that, that to me sometimes is a huge part of all hands on deck. It typically means that you have to get out of what you're comfortable doing. So that means... For Brian Gunacoust, it is giving up draft assets to make sure your team is better offensively. And whether that is for Claypool, whether that's for DJ Moore, figuring out how you can manage the now and also manage the future, right? You don't want to completely kill your depth, but I would argue your depth is still there. Like if they deal the like hypothetical deal, and I know they've said the Panthers are asking a lot for DJ Moore. Say they did a deal that was next year's second and third for DJ Moore and maybe Jordan Love. Or it's Jordan Love, the third and the sixth for for DJ Moore. And that's the deal. You can always try to find that third during during drafting. You can always try to get into the third round if you need to. Third round has been an absolute disaster for the Packers. It has never worked out well. The, there is a curse of the round three. I think James Jones is the only good round three draft, that the Packers, draft pick the Packers have had in the last 10 or 15 years. So I look at it and I'm like, all right, try to get a deal done for a guy like DJ Moore. That makes a ton of sense. That is one of those that, yes, the asking price is high, but you need to come in there and swing your dick and get this going sooner rather than later. Hell, I would say if you feel like he's healthy and you take him through it, I would give Odell Beckham a bigger contract than you did last year and say, come join us now versus when you're ready to play. We'll put you on the IR, we'll figure it out, and then you can spend four weeks in the locker room and start figuring out what Aaron Rodgers likes to do, what Aaron Rodgers doesn't like to do, and get on board. That's getting out of your comfort zone for Brian Gunnikos. For Aaron Rodgers, it is playing within the system. Aaron Rodgers talked after the game about how they need to simplify things. It's like, yeah, dude, you, you motherfucker, like you are the one who needs to be, who needs to simplify this. Like you need to give the ball to Aaron Jones more, not check out of runs and be a little bit more of a game manager. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers has to run everything Matt LaFleur has put out in front of him. If he sees that there is a blitz coming and there is a run on and Aaron Jones is going to get blown out, blown up, excuse me. Yeah, check out of that. Those make sense, right? Those obvious checks. But if it's not obvious, run the fucking play the way it's supposed to. Do not try to be hero ball. Do not try to throw shots downfield 
and give up football. The fact that the Packers ran a slot fade, I believe, on a fourth and three caused me to throw my phone. I can't remember the last time I've thrown my phone while watching the Packers. I'm usually not that emotional of a sports fan. But I was so fed up with the deep balls. I am fed the fuck up. Because Aaron Rodgers can't throw them. He hasn't been able to throw them for years. The stats are out on that. So you can't do it. Try to do different things. Deep crosses. Slants. Out routes. Button hooks. Whatever it may be. It's like Aaron Rodgers needs to, again, get out of that comfort zone. Same goes for Matt LaFleur. Malifar has done a really good job of taking bullets for everybody. He's taken more bullets than 50 Cent. The Many Men song might be about Malifar. I'm not sure. Because he took bullets for Joe Barry. He took bullets for Aaron Rodgers. He's taken bullets for other players, offensive line, whatever it may be. Malifar might just need to start ruffling feathers. And start really you know, laying into people. And yeah. It will be an issue. It will be a story in, in the media. Yeah, Pat McAfee would ask Rodgers about it. Fuck it. At this point, unload the clip and hold everyone accountable. I think firing Joe Barry tomorrow to, or today would send a massive message to the organization and to the players that if you don't do your job, you're out and you're not playing. And that's the level of accountability that it needs to happen here. It's not just, hey, we're going to be okay with how things are going. Right now, I don't think A.J. Dillon should be having a lot of snaps. I I really don't. I like A.J. Dillon. He's a great guy. He has expanded. He's become the Donald Driver of this generation in terms of he is everywhere on social media. He does not say no to any sort of sponsorship request. And good for A.J., right? It's a good business model. He's making more money because of that. Not trying to be a hater. But Aaron Jones should just have the ball at all times when it comes to the running game until we see more from Dylan. And we haven't. And to me, again, that is out of the comfort zone of Matt LaFleur. And defensively, I, I mean, I don't know what's left for Joe Barry in his comfort zone. I, I don't I don't really want to even talk about it because I want Barry fired. And I'm just wondering, do do you really want to get your ass handed to you by Buffalo in two weeks? Because that, to me, is the difference from firing Joe Barry tomorrow or not. If you fire Joe Barry, I think you have at least a fighter shot against Buffalo because it's a week-to-week league. You never fucking know what's going to happen. Today was an absurd day of football. Not necessarily good game. I mean, the Bills-Chiefs was good. I thought the Eagles-Cowboys was pretty solid, even though... The Eagles jumped out early. Second half, I guess you could say it was good. Um, and there were a few others. I had Jags, Colts, Ravens, Giants. But there were a lot of unpredictable results. And that's, you know, could happen, right? Two weeks. It could happen with Kurt Olivati and Jerry Gray running the defense. It won't happen with Joe Barry. And if you bring Joe Barry into Buffalo, you're setting up for a potential embarrassment. And if it takes Green Bay getting embarrassed on national television, which would really, which would really fucking suck, which wouldn't be great, I would hate that. But if that's what we have to do, if that's what it, 
if that's the if that's the goal, if that's the end game here, I guess that's how it's going to be. And I guess that's how we're going to move past this. The Green Bay Packers are a mess. They, I, I think they're still fixable. They're, they don't look like a playoff team today. They could look like one in two weeks again. If you have a close loss to the Bills, even if you're if you hang with the Bills and it's 31-28 and Tyler Bass hits a game-winning field goal at the end, I think we're all chalking that up and we're all seeing the future that the Packers can do this. If the Green Bay Packers still look like they do against the Washington Commanders, another team you should beat, this is the easiest part of your schedule, by the way. And you're three and four heading into Buffalo. Season might be over after Buffalo. That's how that's how thin of a line the Packers are walking right now. And heightens the emphasis on why Barry shouldn't have a job tomorrow. But we'll see. We'll see if the comfort zone actually expands. And people start doing things that are a little bit different. Because the way that Green Bay has done it. From LaFleur to Rodgers to the last guy on the goddamn roster. It's not working. And you need to change things. And it needs to be drastic. It can't just be a tweak here or a tweak there. There needs to be drastic changes for the Green Bay Packers. We'll see what happens. And we'll see where this goes. Because I still believe in this team. I still think they could get to Glendale. As crazy as that fucking sounds. Football is a long season. We have a long way to go. If you told a Phillies fan in May that you are four games away from winning, the, getting to the World Series, they would have laughed in your fucking face. They would have said, have you seen our team? We're a dysfunctional disaster. Get a new manager. They kind of change the culture. And all of a sudden, the flip, the switch is flipped. And there you have it. So I'm not discount, I'm not calling out the Packers. But they're, they just need to figure it out. And they need to figure it out now. Moving on to Golden Kegs. Golden Kegs is something that we do every week, uh, good and bad. We talk about the best and the worst Packers. Uh, five kegs the best. One keg being the worst. Five kegs, I, ha- I don't usually do players of the other team, but I have to give a five keg to Quentin Williams. Quentin Williams was an absolute beast. This is now the second straight game where a young defensive lineman has completely taken over the game. We saw it with Dexter Lawrence last week with the Giants. We see it now with Quinton Williams. Quinton Williams playing like a top five pick. He was he was a game wrecker at Alabama, and this guy was a game wrecker against the Green Bay Packers. He made big play after big play. He is a fucking stud. And it was a joy to watch him play in the sense of just enjoying football. Not in the that he was doing against Packers, which sucked. I hated that. But I do, he is a guy that I, I will seek out to watch because he's very fun. And he has he plays plays with a tenacity, he plays with an attitude that it's it's kind of unique because he's such a happy go lucky guy and he has his mean streak. They told that told me, young Charles, that I, I did not have that mean streak, and that was part of my problem. And I was a happy guy. But I couldn't put that into anger when I had hit the football field. Quinn Williams could, and he's in the NFL and making a ton of money. 
and I'm just sitting here in my basement doing a podcast. Late, way too late at night. So there you have it. Uh, the duality of happy-go-lucky guys. But yeah, Quentin Williams, man, absolute stud. Uh, deserves all the praise that's coming to him. And as they talked about on the broadcast, he's kind of flown under the radar because the Jets aren't very good. I will not very good. They just don't. They haven't had big TV games, bright lights. I think now they do. And honestly, I think the Jets could get flexed against the Patriots and be a, a primetime game. I think that that is on the table. If you look at that week, that slate that week, it's a bad Sunday night game. I think it's Steelers Ravens. I was just looking. Or Steelers. No, it was Steelers Bengals. And I I have to think they're going to pivot out of the Steelers. Other five keg for the Packers side of things. Robert Tunyon. So if we want one good thing from this game, if we're like, this game absolutely fucking sucked, which it did, it it definitely did. But if we're taking that one good thing, if we're like, what's that? It's Robert Tunyon. Because I felt like we saw Robert Tunyon come back to life a little bit. He looked like the Bob Tunyon that we watched for a couple years before the ACL tear. And that is a massive sign going forward for Green Bay. That helps you offensively. That is definitely that's definitely something to be encouraged by. Tony had 10 catches for 90 yards. So that that's a good, good sign. He averaged nine, nine yards carry, obviously, and had 12 targets. So that's something to, to be encouraged by. That is something to look at and say, okay, there that's a positive. And Tunyon looked great and looked like a guy who can help Rodgers in the middle of the field. And hopefully more to come. You know, again, you're playing a bad commander's team next week. And hopefully you keep it up. Hopefully you see more of Tunyon. And then Buffalo gets a little tougher. Jordan Poyer, not an easy guy to go up against. And that'll be a challenge. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I'm just really happy to see Robert Tunyon revive himself a little bit after that ACL tear. And it it makes sense. It lines up with when we should start seeing this. And it's kind of the same thing with Elton Jenkins, right? He, I think he tore his ACL right around the same time as Tunyon. So hopefully Elton, this was his last bad start. And trust me, we are going to talk about the offensive line. Last thought on Tunyon though, I just hope Rodgers doesn't lock into him. I hope it's not like, okay, I ju- I'm just passing to Tony and Lazard. I don't think he's going to do that. If you look at how he distributed targets today, you know, Tony had 12, Lazard had nine, Dobbs had nine, Dylan had six. So there, and AJ, that's crazy that Aaron Jones is the fourth guy on that list or fifth guy on that list. I, the Aaron Jones stuff, man, is beyond weird. I, I, I cannot explain it. Um, I don't understand it. And yet the Packers lose any time that he really doesn't touch the ball less than 20 times. That's the recipe for losing. And yet the Packers keep doing it. Um, I should have included that in the comfort zone stuff. That's okay. That's all right. We we missed one. But yes, I hope Tunyon becomes more of the guy and, you know, emerges again as one of the top tight end targets in all football. 4K goes to Jair Alexander. So Jair was really good today. I mean, he was all over Garrett Wilson. He put Garrett Wilson in hell. I don't. Did Wilson have a catch? He had one catch for eight yards. He had five targets, 
All those targets were contested by Jair. They let Jair be basically sticky on the Jets' top wide receiver. That's really good stuff from Jair. He he played his role and showed what he can do as that lockdown corner. And I'll give Barry credit for that. Letting Jair do it is is a big it's a big thing, right? And to see that come to life makes you happy. I, again, there's not a lot to be pleased about. This is a very somber day in Packer Nation. But I do think like one of the two takeaways of this week of this game is AJ looks great covering the perceived number one on this team. And B, Robert Tunyon looked like the guy that we saw before he tore his ACL. Those are good things. And we should be happy with those things. And I'll be curious to see if Alexander goes up against Terry McLaurin next week and then Stephon Diggs the week after. And if this is just sort of the norm or if this was a one-time thing. I hope it's the norm. I think it's the norm. And I think that it was directed a little bit by Jair Alexander. I will say Jair did have the comments about, you know, if we lose to New York, I'll be concerned. And that almost dinged him out of the four four keg land. But I, I kept him there kept him there at four kegs. I was like, you know what? We are not letting him off of it. It was a awful comment by him. I, I hope Jair ha- just has some better stuff to say when he when he talks to the media, right? It's not even about being smart. It's just a matter of making sure that you have some of the right the right messaging. And that it's not it's not necessarily this me, 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 or like, oh, I'll be concerned if this happens. Like, just focus on what's ahead of you. Don't talk about losing. That's that's stuff that will drive, I think, everybody, everybody crazy. Everybody crazy. And let's just hope that that was the last time you'll hear anything like that from Jair Alexander. Three kegs goes to Eric Wilson. Gets lost in a shuffle because the Packers got a pump block. They got returned for a touchdown. And the special teams took a massive step back this week. But Eric Wilson did block a punt. And he was the first guy to block a punt since Geronimo Drip Drop Allison in 2018, I believe. Or no, 2008? Was it? No, Geronimo Allison wasn't around in 2008. I think I have to, I have to look here. Um, but good stuff from that. I mean, they brought in Eric Wilson last week and he's already making an impact um again this is another packer getting special teams guys and them then contributing you really like seeing that you really like seeing that out of wilson and great moment for him and one of those things that will keep you on the roster will keep you coming around he had a great great pump block too like the way he did it was absolutely exquisite uh you you couldn't have done it any better it's too bad Green Bay wasn't able to capitalize on that, but that's what the Packers were all day. And that, that'll that bug you, right? I mean, you look at the Jets, and the Jets block one for a touchdown. You know, what if the Packers did that? How does how does this game change, right? If the ball bounces a little bit different off the, off the hands of Wilson and the Packers recover it and run it in for six, are we talking about an entirely different game? I don't know. Who knows, right? Uh, that's that's something that we can do in maybe the metaverse, maybe just fantasy world of like, okay, give me give me the good stuff, 
don't don't give me the bad stuff. Oh yeah, 2018. So yeah, it was. I was right. I was like, how did they Geronimo was around in 2008? That seems long ago because he, the drip drop is a, is some tweets that he was. I think he was talking about. It was a, it was a girl. It, they were they were bad. Like they it wasn't like Ray Allen bad, but it, it, they weren't good. Right? They weren't they weren't something that you're like oh. This this could be a problem. Let me see if I can find those because now now we have to just educate anybody who doesn't know about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Iowa females got that drip drop wet wet pussy. If you head good and your pussy good, baby, what's happening? His Twitter account used to be eight one three Mister Freak Show. I want me a college bit. That show her pussy under the table for me. Like, here, eat this. College got a lot of bad bitches, freakos. I'm talking white girls, black girls, chicos. Unbelievable. Um, Geronimo just uh, didn't really know that. Like, people were people would pay attention to these when you got when you went pro. We don't have as many of these anymore. I think. There are like agents that clean this all up and it just doesn't happen like it used to. These used to be so fun. Um, it's now it's taken away from us. I think I, I think one of my guys, Sites has a uh, or Sites has a drip drop jersey. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, so I mean it's a legend. It's a legendary thing. I forgot the actual. I knew I knew it was about pussy, right? Uh, but I didn't know it was. I wonder if Iowa females got that drip drip. Drip, drop, wet, wet pussy. Amazing. Bring Geronimo Allison back. Why not, right? He's probably out there. He's probably available. We can probably bring him through. All right. So before this goes way off the rails, two kegs, uh, the wide receiver depth. It's a real problem. Uh, it's There can be some I told you so, but I I just want to I wanna push back on that if you do, if you are one of those people. If you're like, oh, we should never have traded Devontae. All right, get this through your thick fucking skull. I've certainly said this six times, seven times, but I'll, I'll keep saying it until you motherfuckers understand. Devontae Adams didn't want to be here, okay? His wife like didn't like it here. He couldn't. His family, for some reason, wouldn't fly out to Green Bay. I don't. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I think his dad had bad health. Derek Carr tampered the fuck out of it and made sure that. He sold him on Vegas, sold him on an idea of going to Vegas. Oh, it'd be cool if we played together, bro. Like, it'd be great. Like, we'll figure it all out. Like, you'll make it work. Like, talk to the Packers. I'm sure they'll understand. They had a contract ready and waiting for Devontae Adams. That was the plan all along. And now, if you want, if you really want to go down this pathway, you can wonder, did the Packers not have a plan post-Devontae? And the post-Devante plan has not worked out because you have Watson hurt. Dobbs has been okay. I wouldn't say okay. He's been better than okay. But the Dobbs shine is certainly, it's not been as good the last two weeks compared to what we saw earlier on this season. So it's it's kind of one of those things where this Devante thing might have screwed it all up. But now the depth is really, really thin. You have Watson, who's on IR for now three more games. You have Sammy Watkins, who's on IR, I believe, for one more. And then I believe 
you'll have Randall Cobb out for four. So it's it's not going to be good. It's not going to be a good thing for the Green Bay Packers. And that's that's a problem, right? That that's going to significantly impact what you're doing from the in the wide receiver room. And this isn't just, hey, sign somebody. Well, it is sign somebody, but it's sign somebody that actually has talent. Oh, like we mentioned earlier about Will Fuller, Robbie Anderson, you know, that's that's the type of thing. I understand that Robbie Anderson seems like a punk and seems like a guy who is more me guy, which is not great because I think the Packers right now have too many of those. Talked about that in the review today, tapping the keg sports or tapping the keg on Twitter. Still a change of pace. Sometimes that, that can work out for the best. Lastly, one keg goes to Royce Newman. Royce Newman is a special piece of shit. I've been all over the fact that Royce Newman shouldn't be starting. I don't know what, how much more the Green Bay Packers need to see. Jason Wildy, um on the Packer postgame show uh, on, on 94.5 compared him to Will Whitaker. Will Whitaker was on the 2005 Packer team that went 4-12. and He said Will Whitaker was one of the worst guards he'd ever seen. And after Will Whitaker had played all 16 games for the Packers, he was never heard from again. Did not. And I, and I could, we should fact check that and see if Will Whitaker did play. But that's the comparison that a beat writer for the Packers is going with. That's pretty bad. That is not, that is not necessarily anything that you want. And first, that to be the comp is truly, truly awful. And oh my goodness, uh, I don't even know where to begin. He was so lost on stunts. The guy didn't know what he was doing. I have no idea how you're that bad at handling stunts as a professional football player, offensive lineman. He looked like cut a hay football uh, out there. It was terrible. It was absolutely awful. It was a disgusting offensive line effort altogether. But Royce Newman was the linchpin of that absurdity. And the Green Bay Packers cannot have Royce Newman on the field. Now, everyone clamoring for Josh Nyman on the right side. In that same interview with Jason Wildey, which I, he did a great job and thought it was as informative of anything I've listened to, is Wildey broke down how Josh Nyman does not play right tackle, basically. That during training camp, even though they knew David Bakhtiari at some point would come back, that at some point David Bakhtiari would feel good, he put Josh Nyman was always on the left side. He never played on the right side. And he told Wildey, too, a couple months ago, he wasn't really that comfortable on the right side. And he couldn't flip his hips. And for those who have not played offensive line, it's all about your your kickback, right? Especially when you're in pass block. Run block's a little different. I think you can run block and really on anything. Like I, I think it's just hand on the ground and, yeah, you just got to deal with bigger guys and your holes are a little bit different, right, versus – Versus what you have in the middle. But and it comes to pass blocking. It's all about the strength of your heel. Your strength of your kickback. Nyman obviously believes that his right leg is not that strong. And that he can't do what he does on the left side of the football. Now, Packers don't have everything open to the media in terms of their practicing. 
So maybe this has been a point of emphasis for Amstanovich and the offensive line group. Like maybe that's what they're working on. I don't know. I have no idea. And, and if that's the case, and if it's like Nyman's not a right tackle, okay, that's fine. But then it needs to be Zach Tom at, at right guard. Or you need to move John Runyon to right guard and try Elton Jenkins at left guard. And I don't know. You got to reshuffle the deck. You have to figure out something else. And Jake Hansen could be out for the year with a bicep tear. Um, it's not looking good, which means that if Josh Myers were to go down, Elton Jenkins is your center. So you probably need to get something there and address that depth. Because now all of a sudden the Packers are suddenly a little thin again at the offensive line position. Rice Newman, though, should never be on the Packers starting five ever again. Um, even if there's a guy hurt, like, I don't want to see Rice Newman's face. Um, it, he's, he's bad, man. And hopefully the Green Bay Packers clean that up for next week. Because Washington might be bad, but they have a pretty good pass rush too. And they'll do similar shit that we, we saw this week. And guess who else will? Buffalo. Guess what's, who's coming to town in about a month? Dallas. You want to deal with that pass rush with Rice Newman? I don't fucking think so. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but if I see if I see Royce Newman out there on Sunday, I probably I'll probably go to cardiac arrest. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna not gonna not be dramatic about it. Speaking of not being dramatic, let's talk about Josh Hader finding himself in the Padres in the NLCS, shall we? So the San Diego Padres are in the NLCS. They're playing the Philadelphia Phillies. There'll be a lot of talk about baseball's new format and how it didn't work. I think the Yankees could save sort of that narrative because if it's the Yankees and it's the Astros, it's two buys on the AL side and it's not two non-buys on the NL side. And in fact, I'd, I'd argue that makes it look perfect. That said, uh, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, that's the national media. <laughs> we're here to talk about the Josh Hader trade getting worse and worse. I was a defender of the Josh Hader trade. I felt like there was a chance that Josh Hader had completely lost it. That Josh Hader was really never going to be the same player that he was. Now you can say to yourself, Charlie, why do you think this? Josh Hader was bad for a month. He has bad months all the time. It went so off the rails though, after being so good and understanding that you have one and a half years left and to get any sort of value, you had to cash out your chips then because the Brewers are knee-deep in the numbers. Someone said something. Someone basically inferred to David Stearns that I don't think Josh Hader is fixable. And if that was the case, is a the Brewers do not lose a lot of trades. David Stearns, I agree, has lost his luster a little bit when it comes to trades, but the Brewers rarely lose trades. And Stearns looked at that and said, okay, we'll cash out and we'll make him somebody else's problem. He was a mess in San Diego for a month. It was terrible. It was just as bad, if not worse. Got really ugly. And I took minor victory laps about it because that was exactly what I thought, that the Brewers saw something and they were going to come home to roost. And it was going to be a great, great time for the Brewers and celebrate. It's like, oh, we got Ruiz, we got Gasser, and those guys are going to help us in the future. 
Instead, San Diego fixed whatever was wrong with him. Started looking really good in September. And then in October, in the playoffs, not only did he pitch in for four batters, which he never did in Milwaukee. Funny how that works, right? Um, he also closed down game three, and he closed down game four, all in extreme high leverage. And in game four, by the way, he got out Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman with fucking ease. Those are three of the best players in baseball. And Josh Hader did not give a fuck. I like I so when he did that, I was quite drunk. Um, and I was driving back to the burbs with Mitch, and I was honestly apoplectic. I texted my dad and I was like, I, I went through the exact same thing, but then I added fuck my life. Because it it's really bad right now. Like it, it's really hard. I, even if Asturia Ruiz and Robert Gasser are vital contributors for next year's Brewers team, I guess the only way it would be is if they win the World Series and Gasser and Ruiz ha- play a part or they are they are helpful for the Brewers to get some talent to basically propel them to the World Series. Then it's all forgotten. Then the point is moot. And honestly, if the Phillies don't make the World Series, it at least softens the blow a little bit. But it doesn't because the Phillies got in over the Brewers by one game. The Milwaukee Brewers, they took care of business at against the Miami Marlins. The Brewers could be that team right now. The Brewers could be the Philadelphia Phillies. You could have a Brewers-Padres NLCS. That is a real thing that could have happened. And it speaks to you just got to get in. You guys remember all September, if you go back and listen to any September podcast, especially when we were talking about the Brewers. I said to you, I said, just fucking win. Just get in there. Once you're in, who the hell knows what can happen? Because baseball is a crazy sport. Baseball playoffs are like you're storing lines of cocaine and you're just a crazy drug bender. Baseball playoffs are never sane. And so all the Brewers had to do was get in. They couldn't do that. And now they're watching two wildcard teams fight for the right to go to the World Series. They've, the MLB has made sure that this is a little more balanced. And it's not just the best of the best. And there's a little more area of opportunity. Do I think maybe shorten the season and discuss potentially going to five and seven and then seven? Yeah, I think that's, that's on, that should be on the table. I'll just put it that way. Should be on the table. Should be thinking through, you know, what that looks like. But that would also mean a lot, a lot different, right? There'd be a little more different differentiation there. And I, I just, <sighs> Brewers have to be kicking themselves. And it, this does not necessarily make it feel good. You could argue that the Brewers having this happen to them uh, was. You know, a a good thing in the sense of it kind of forces their hand. I not kind of fuck that. It forces their hand. Like if you didn't think the Brewers needed to make moves to go all in next year, this is this is the sign. This is it because you are dealing with a something that is kind of out of the realm, right? 
you have to basically justify this hater trade in your own way. So what does that mean? Is it Gosser starting next year? Is it trading Ruiz for a power third base bat or another power hitter somewhere else in the infield, second base, or in the outfield? They don't really have a ton of room, but you get my point. If that happens, yeah, a lot of there's a lot different difference going on right now. We're we're feeling we'll feel a lot different. But if they dare stay status quo after all of this, no one's gonna care. Everyone's just gonna check out, and that's that's the last thing you want. Checking out on your team is kind of the cardinal sin, and kind of the one when you you can't sometimes win win those fans back. It takes a playoff run. It takes something magical. It takes a guy. Maybe it's Jackson Chirio, right? That brings those those fans back. We'll just have to see. But yeah, this this is not good. We'll talk more about it. We have to, right? It's it's painful. It's like putting needles in your deck, which is a, a favorite euphemism on this podcast. But it truly it truly is. It's uh, it's definitely not a fun one. So we'll see what happens with Hater and the Padres as they get going on Tuesday night. Uh, so that series starts Tuesday. Uh, not exactly one baseball would want. I think they would probably prefer Phillies Dodgers or Dodgers Braves again or uh, Braves Braves San Diego would also have been pretty brutal. But yeah, it's you know that's that's how it crumbles. And I will guarantee you that baseball is trying to make sure the Yankees win tomorrow. They do not want to see the Guardians and Astros. I know John Heyman's getting dunked on for his com- for his column basically saying that. And I just thought it was a dumb, that was a dumb fucking thing to write. Like, why would you even put that out there? Now everyone's gonna think it's rigged if a few calls don't go Cleveland's way. Just big dummy, John Heyman is. But that's okay, you know. It's it, that. I guess that's what happens when you basically are on the tee to Scott Boris. You, you get a little crazy. Anyways, wrapping up today's show uh, with the Badgers, uh, saving it for the end. Not only did the Packers have a bad weekend, but the Badgers also had an awful weekend. Uh, the Badgers got up early. They were up 14-7 to at half. Badgers basically stalled the second half. Way too many three and outs. It was a constant theme against a bad Michigan State defense. Michigan State kept coming. And then Michigan State not only tied it, then they took the lead. Uh, the Badgers were able to rally. We had a really good drive. Like that drive was fantastic. Like that was as good as it got for Wisconsin. And they were 21 to 21 and they went to overtime, then the Braylon Allen fumble, and that led to Michigan State winning. And the secondary felt like got torched the entire game. It felt like the secondary, we talked about it for Michigan State being a problem. Guess what? It was it might be more of a badger problem than a Michigan State problem. And now now comes the hard part for Jim Leonard because if you keep winning games, everybody's gonna just stay the course and nothing really will nothing will change. But now that you've lost again, now that you're one and three in the Big Ten, now it's time to kind of rally the troops a little bit. Marcus Allen uh, announced that he is going to be transferring and that he is putting himself in the transfer portal. And I just think they need to work really hard. On making sure that these these guys all 
all find the unity, right? That the unity is there, that it's not something that they're going to split apart and siphon off. But the secondary, I don't really know if it can be fixed. It's it's hard, right? Like, do you adjust more? Do you play more zone? Do you do you play in a style that brackets a little bit more, maybe a little bit like a cover three Dan Quinn style defense? Like they they have to do something different. And I know Leonard's been so good. I get it. But you have Purdue coming to town this week, and all Purdue does is chuck the football. I mean, that seems like a recipe for disaster. It seems like Aiden O'Connell can go crazy on on the bad, that Badger secondary, um, which more to come when we do should I bet next week. But yeah, it's that's not one that's not one you want to see. And I don't really think it's a fluke either. I, I mean, we saw it with C.J. Stroud. We saw it a little bit with Cam Ward. The secondary was a glaring weakness, and they tried to patchwork it together with transfer portal guys, and it just didn't work. And I think you get more aggressive in the transfer portal. You make sure that that is an area of focus for recruits. See if you can get somebody that can play day one. Maybe you look at the Juco market too and look for those guys and see – who, who could really basically redefine that secondary, which used to be a strength for Wisconsin. It is now a weakness, at least for this year. I'm not saying it's going to be a long-term thing. The one thing they do have going for them, if we want to go positive on the secondary part and, and writing the ship, if you will. So after Purdue, which could be a loss, and it could be one and four, um, I, I think you're going to need some turnovers. You're going to need... Purdue do Purdue things, which they're they're known to do, right? They're not necessarily one that exactly keeps it all together. They just do dumb shit. I, I don't know. It's, there are certain teams that are like that, right? Old Miss kind of is a little bit like that at, at a higher level, I would say. I'm trying to think, other got teams that just kind of do dumb shit. I, well, I don't know if I'd put Oregon in there. I, maybe. Um, shit. Who else? Is there, there's other Big Ten teams like that. Minnesota, no. Could maybe Minnesota. I don't know. There there are teams. I, I'll have to work on that. Do dumb shit. North Carolina, another one. Um, that off the top of my head. But anyways, after after your, you know, Purdue, it's you may have a, a, a Maryland team also that airs it out. And then it, it gets a little easier. And then you don't really have the air it out teams. So hopefully... This is this is going to get better for Wisconsin. And maybe these guys improve. Maybe it was just one bad night at the office. But you also have the Stroud evidence and the Ward evidence. So hopefully this is kind of the end of the road with that. And the Badgers are able to figure out their secondary woes. All right, that does it for today's podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, NBA Preview Pod. Mitch and I, Tabby the Keg, episode 480. And then we'll do daily taps. We'll have should I bet at the end of the week. Um, we're going to definitely talk about Buck Sixers as well um, in that. So probably at the end. So it'll be a little bit of a twofer, unless something crazy happens in Buck Sixers and it needs to be talked about at the open, which you never know. NBA is is crazy, and that that could potentially happen. All right, guys. 
see you tomorrow. We will talk to you then and enjoy that pot. I think you'll really like it. Um, so I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I think you're going to have a good time with it. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.